You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Welcome in. This is the Gordon Damer Show. That much I do know. This is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. Good morning. Welcome in. Whole bunch to do this Wednesday edition. You know the deal. 60 minutes to run through it all. And, of course, we have lots to do today. There is actually a lot of uh, interesting sports stories, sports news, every sport pretty much uh, involved today. But the biggest part of the show, you know it, you love it, you knew it, you loved it, but we have our champion. We started with a field of 64 rewatchable movies. We narrowed it down to the final two. And, of course, only one remains and we will announce that one later in the show. Our rewatchable movie bracket champion has been crowned the first ever. And uh, the tournament, which took a little longer than we would have liked, but it has reached its end. And we will crown our champ. Was there an upset? Was it the expected result? We will save that for a little bit later in the show. But, of course, we always start with the headlines. And we start with some baseball news. And it was yesterday something that was presented as good news but I'm not exactly sure why. Aaron Judge, still dealing with that fractured rib that was discovered back in spring training, which doesn't that feel like it was a year ago? Doesn't it feel like it was so long ago that baseball was part? I mean, spring training was going on and the announcement that Aaron Judge had this issue that he was dealing with. Well, Yankee manager Aaron Boom was on MLB Network Radio. He said that Judge is due for another CT scan in a couple of weeks. Quote, the, this time down has allowed that rib to hopefully continue to heal. All signs are encouraging there and hopefully have him part of this as well. The Daily News had a headline, Yankees still don't know if Judge rib injury is healed. Well, the fact that you don't know means that it's probably not. I mean, either it's healed or it's not. And I'm not, uh, you know, Quincy MD, but it's obvious pretty clear it has not healed. And it's May. And I don't understand why this is not more alarming. Now, the silver lining is he does have more time, right? It's it's already been a couple of months. They found this back in March. It is now May. And I love Aaron Judge, but you have to have major doubts of whether or not this guy will ever be able to full, play a full season and what is the next you know what's the next step in this because it's pretty clear by this point even when the injury was announced you would have thought that he would have been further along and kind of been over this by now and it's fine to say you see encouraging signs but these are also the same people who did not think this was a big deal back in february and eric bolin of newsday kind of uh, ran down it in a tweet March 25th, Boone says it was still in the healing phase. April 23rd on yes, Boone said of Judge, he's using this time to continue to heal. And then Boone yesterday on MLB Network Radio, hopefully this time down allows the rib to heal properly. Seems like it's taking an awful long time to heal properly. That has to be a concern. Now, it's not the most pressing concern because it's not like baseball's right around the corner. But when it is right around the corner... It feels like this Aaron Judge issue will still be an issue. And I again, I'm not uh, Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman, but that does not seem good, especially given the Yankees' recent history of, it seems like this trend of, oh, that, that's no big deal. And then it becomes, oh, that, yeah, we'll get it checked out. 
And then it becomes, oh, that, yeah, well, we're going to be extra cautious. We're going to play this super safe and take care of this right now. We don't want this to be an issue down the road. And then, of course, the fourth stage is, oh, that, yeah, it's actually a big deal. So who knows if, really, I guess the question is if first and then when Major League Baseball starts up again, you'd like to think that the silver lining has been of all this time off that all the Yankee injuries would be over with, or at least the ones that can be. I guess uh, Aaron Hicks's injury he expected that to be a long-term thing, so he's probably not going to be over it by the time if baseball starts sometime in July. But the Yankees' biggest offensive weapon has this issue that he's dealing with, and it seems like another complete unknown. So not exactly – it was presented as if – and I think the only one that presented it as it's not a positive – was uh, NJ.com, which said, yeah, the injury is still there. And in case you don't remember, back in March when it was first announced, the two courses of treatment were A, allow it to heal on its own, hope, hope that it did, and then B, if it didn't heal on its own, that they'd have to have surgery to remove the rib. That doesn't sound good. And the fact that it's still not healed... Now, I get it. Maybe the, the the fact of the way the world is right now, the testing, it's not as available as it would be under ideal circumstances. But the fact that Aaron Boone is, is saying that, oh, you know, we're just using this time to heal. You've been saying that since March. And it doesn't it doesn't seem like it's it's healing all that quickly, if at all. So that was the first story that I saw. The second story yesterday came from the NFL, and it is, in life, find someone in your life who loves you like Adam Gase loves Frank Gore. Jet signing uh, the veteran running back yesterday to a one-year deal. 37 years old, played for Buffalo last year, played for Miami the year before that at a time where Adam Gase was uh, the, the head coach of the Miami Dolphins, so they have that connection there. Also worked together, apparently, when Gase was an assistant with the 49ers. And this comes after, I guess it was one day, right? We were talking yesterday about that story uh, from Rich Samini saying that Gase wanted to uh, lessen the load on Le'Veon Bell. And then all of a sudden they go out and sign uh, Frank Gore, who will be in his 16th season, was still productive last year with Buffalo, not as productive as uh, he was the year before in Miami. I think he, he rushed for like 4.5 a carry uh, two years ago in Miami. Good locker room guy. And uh, maybe Adam Gase is like uh, Thanos collecting Infinity Stones. Gase is collecting the five guys in the NFL who actually like playing for him. Uh, one, I guess the first thing is I, people will bring up is that this has more to do with what Gore is going to be in the locker room than on the field, right? He's supposed to be this good locker room guy. And, um, you know, not that he's not going to get carries, but he is more of an impact from a leadership standpoint. And someone that the coach kind of trusts to 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 be a, a good influence in the room. Well, look, I, I don't think that anybody has made the the statement that Gore is now going to be on some fifty fifty footing with Livion Bell. Livion Bell is still going to be the number one guy in the backfield, uh, and Gore will clearly be number two. But will Gore get more carries than you probably would like at times? Well, if history is any guide. I would say, yeah, probably. 
In 2018, Miami Miami was kind of floundering at 500 for most of the year. They had the the Miami miracle that kind of got them back in the playoff race, and then from that point on, they they lost the last three games to end their season. But at the time, Miami was kind of like you know they you didn't really know what they were going to be, and not that he is Olivion Bell, but Miami had this young player in Kenyon Drake. An explosive player in Kenyon Drake. And yet Gore was still, if not getting more carries, certainly was getting about the same. There were a lot of games where Gore did have more carries. And he averaged over the course of the year about 10 to 11, maybe 12 carries a game. Carries that Drake probably should have been getting, but wasn't. So I think Bell is clearly going to be on the field more than Gore. I mean, he's 37 years old, but will Gore be on the field more than you think? And will there be times during the season where you're watching games, assuming we have games, and you're thinking to yourself, well, why, why is, uh, why is Livion Bell uh, standing on the sidelines? Yes, I bet you that that will end up happening. And that was not the only piece of news with the Jets yesterday. The other piece, and maybe not all that surprising given how things have gone here uh, the last few years, Quincy Anunwa's season is already over, was put on the uh, physically unable to perform list yesterday, so that means he will not play at all this year, and I guess at this point you'd kind of have to wonder if his uh, NFL career is over, and it's, look, it's a shame. Anytime a, a young guy, and he's only 27, and a guy who seemed like he was develop- he was already a solid wide receiver, and it seemed like he was getting ready to take that next step beyond that, but he missed, uh, I guess, what, all of last year except for one game. And that's the second time in three years that he had been hurt. It's uh, pretty clear that it would seem a stretch at this point whether or not he ever plays another NFL game. And it's certainly, you would think, not going to be for the New York Jets. And, uh, you know, you, you see that. And then, look, it's, it's, uh, it's a sad story. You feel bad for the guy because it did seem like he was on the verge of something, especially after... Mike McCagden signed him to a, a four-year extension for $36 million, and it'll turn out that he will play uh, exactly one game of that contract for the Jets. And, uh, I mean, boy, oh, boy, you know, so many people have been talking about, well, once the last dance is over, what's the next documentary series involving sports that we could have? Well, look, it might take a while, and it might not be ten pieces. It might not be ten parts, but boy, oh, boy. The history of Mike McCagnan running the New York Jets. You talk about a docu-series. Forget about the last dance. It would be the worst dance. It would be the inept dance. I mean, as part of any job running a team as GM, it's not about just scouting other teams' players. It's not just about scouting college players. It's about scouting your own players. And I get it. It's an injury thing. I guess maybe it's a, a bit of a fluky thing, but it's about knowing more about your own guys than everybody else. And for Anunwa who was part of that John Idzik, uh, they had 12 players drafted in, I think it was 2014. Of the 12 guys, 12 guys, only one guy is still in the NFL. Now, I get it, 2014, it's six years ago now. But, wow. And the guy is like a backup lineman for the Vikings. I mean, you could throw darts at a board. Hell, you could throw darts at players. And hit one that would be, I mean, you do a better rate than that. 12 players and six years later, only one guy is still, is still capable of playing.
So the the last two general managers, I mean, back to back, you always think that when somebody is terrible, as bad as John Idzik was, you, you thought that when you got rid of him, well, the next guy, by by even by fluke, he's got to be better than him. Turns out he was not. The last two back-to-back GMs of the Jets just, whew, yikes. 1-800-919-ESPN is the phone number, 1-800-919-3776. Coming up, we have lots to do on this Wednesday edition. Saw some interesting stuff about uh, the Michael Jordan documentary, which I guess you'd have to think, right? Uh, Episodes 7 and 8 air this Sunday, and with where things were left off last Sunday, the topic among the topics that are going to have to be addressed is the first retirement. And it's funny that even now, even all these years later, there is still a disagreement over why Michael Jordan walked away when he did. There's still a a good portion of people who feel like he was forced to retire as some sort of punishment for the gambling allegations, the gambling activity. Uh, And I thought David Aldridge in The Athletic brought up a very good point. If you believe that, actually voicing it out loud, this is what you believe. So I'll touch on that. Also have to get to um, the rewatchable movie bracket. We had our our champion, and uh, we'll have to unveil that in the course of the show today and uh, which movie it was. We can't, of course, remember yesterday we had Goodfellas versus Die Hard, so we'll touch on that. You have the Korean Baseball Organization with their game coming up at 5.30 on ESPN. So we'll, uh, I had a thought on that because I was listening to the K-Show yesterday. And one of the things that really jumps out about the, the, the KBO games is the bat flips and how that's something that Major League Baseball needs to uh, – <laughs> I don't know how they would do it. But they have to kind of loosen the rules on things about uh, personality and uh, – that 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 one thing would help uh, bring in some of the younger fans, right? That's the issue for Major League Baseball, young fans. Um, so we'll touch on that too. So lots of stuff to do. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Yes, our rewatchable movie bracket is in the books. Although today's poll question still ties in to the rewatchable movie bracket, but we'll get to that in uh, just a bit. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. So we gave you some of the uh, sports headlines there in the uh, opening segment. But the real headline of the day, after much debate, after many, many votes on Twitter, we have finally come to what was really never in doubt. The first ever Gordon Damer Show rewatchable movie bracket champion is the great Goodfellas. 1990s classic. Yes, in terms of rewatchable movies, it really is the perfect movie. And it's almost a little unfair that it was included. I mean, it's the you'd have to say out of the best movies in the bracket, right? It's not about the best movies, but if it were about the best movies... You could certainly make the case for Goodfellas as well. So it's not only just a rewatchable movie, it's a great movie. So congratulations, as if Martin Scorsese needed any other uh, accolades in his great career. Sure, he's got Oscars, but now he can also sleep well at night knowing that he was the director of the first ever rewatchable movie bracket and the champion, not just in it, but uh, 
and, and never really in doubt. I was kind of going back before the show, looking at the, the poll results, never really threatened, never really anything all that close, even in the matchup that I thought might be close. Goodfellas Godfather, that was uh, one of the big decisions made before the, the tournament in terms of seeding. I just felt like with the younger audience, Goodfellas is much more of a tour de force in terms of, uh, you know, the pacing of it is much quicker. The, the editing is much quicker. The music is much quicker. So, uh, all those things. So, uh, I mean, still an outrage that Goodfellas did not win the Oscar in 1990. Do you know what won the Oscar in 19? I mean, you talk about outrages. Dances with Wolves. Could you imagine having a vote for the Oscars? This is uh. not some rinky-dink little award show. This is the Oscars. And you say to yourself, you know what? I think that Dances with Wolves is better than Goodfellas. Failed. I mean, awful. Awful. Come awful on, decision. people. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't know what they were thinking. But uh, it just shows you the Oscars is not about what the best movie is for that year. It's about it's a political thing that, uh, you know, people make their decisions based on the industry and, and who probably can help them best and, and all these different types of things. It's not about, hey, what's the best movie overall? It's a it's a power thing. So, um, you know, but to just kind of recap the uh, the movie bracket and the champion Goodfellas, the opening scene that we kind of played you the clip right there. We can't play the whole opening scene, obviously. Uh, throws it right at you, right right off the bat. You get thrown kind of off guard because you don't know exactly what happened. And I think the reason, there's a lot of reasons why it is so rewatchable. It's the it's the best actors, right? De Niro, Pesci. It's the best director in Scorsese. The narration, which can sometimes, you know, can sometimes get a little, I don't know, kind of wears you down after a while if it's not done right, but the narration in Goodfellas is is on point. The music is on point. Everything is just top-notch. And I think what makes movies rewatchable is not just the subject matter, but you have to have these perfect scenes because what ropes you in is you say, oh, it's on right now. I'll just watch until this. I'll just watch until that. And then, of course, what ends up happening is you end up watching the entire thing. So the way it opens... With as far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. The 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 mob throwing the mailman in the pizza oven. The bar scene, the great bar scene that everybody has quoted time and time again about all the different characters who really don't play a role in the movie. It's just a phenomenal scene as you get introduced to all these guys. Jimmy, two times, go get the papers, go get the papers. The, uh, the funny how scene, how am I funny? Who has not quoted that at some point in their lives? Billy Bats getting whacked. After telling uh, Tommy to go get a shine box, Tommy getting whacked. I, I, am I, I may, I, maybe I should be saying spoiler alert. I think everybody by now has seen. If you've it not seen Netflix. Goodfellas, <laughs> I think it's it's on you, right? And Goodfellas is one of those movies that it doesn't get replayed as often as others. And I think that that kind of helps its rewatchability. Like Jaws, is, as I've brought up a thousand, always on. It's literally every single week Jaws is playing somewhere on TV that you can see it. Goodfellas is not replayed with that level of regularity. So maybe that, you know, it, it's a little bit more rare. So then when you see it, based on the fact it's awesome as well, you you get hooked in uh, as, as as quickly as you do. But there's so, I mean, there's so many great scenes. Even the, the underrated scenes where the, the three of them are um, are sitting with Tommy's mother eating after whacking Billy Bats. Tommy's mother in the movie is actually Scorsese's mother. And it's pretty clear, without Goodfellas, 
you have not you would not have had even the great TV shows like The Sopranos. David Chase, who who wrote The Sopranos, has said that the Goodfellas was like his holy grail. And it's not really that big of a leap considering that, you know, two of the big actors for The Sopranos, Lorraine Bracco and, and Michael Imperioli, who was Spider. I thought you said, hey, all right, but no, you're not all right, Spider. Um, they were, you know, part of both. So you think of uh, all the movies that kind of followed that same formula, not just Scorsese movies, but uh, Boogie Nights, I think, is a direct, you know, in line with that. So thanks to all the voters, even all the haters, all the Twitter followers. Uh, we wanted to structure it as much as possible, like the NCAA tournament, and uh, certainly more so when the NCAA tournament uh, got canceled. But the poll question, which is up for today, it's on Twitter. It's at Gordon Damer, and you can vote on it there. Now, the movie bracket is in the book, so no matter how it turns out today, I don't want to hear any belly aching from the bunch of you. But the poll question is, Goodfellas takes the title, but just as a hypothetical, to appease all the Dark Knight crybabies. If there had been the matchup, now the Dark Knight didn't get enough votes to advance the title, but if the Dark Knight and their crowd had been able to galvanize their forces enough to force their way into the championship round, both are on, which are you watching? Goodfellas, Dark Knight, you can vote. I'm give I mean, how fair of a guy am I? The Dark Knight crybabies who have just whined and moaned and everything else about how they're moaning me. I'm now giving you the option of at least hearing you out. So there you go. You can vote on the poll question. It's up for today on Twitter at Gordon Damer. And now the question remains, uh, what do we do for next year? We obviously can't do the exact same thing because you get the same results. So I don't know if we... If maybe Goodfellas is kept out of the field like it's a retire, like once you become champion, you are then retired as champion and it gets mentioned that you are already a champion. So you can't win two titles. Do we break it into decades rather than categories of movies? This year we did drama and comedy and action and, and wild card. Maybe next year we kind of break it down into seventies, eighties, nineties and the rest. Very, very difficult. TV shows. Do we go TV shows? Very, very tough. So we don't know how we'll do it for next year, but we have, uh, it looks like at least a year to, uh, to decide that. But you can vote on the poll question for today. It's up on Twitter. It's at Gordon Damer. And, uh, before the show is out, we will have one further piece of information about the rewatchable movie bracket. If you were a fan, I'd like to thank you to all the voters who, uh, I don't remember how many, I think I calculated yesterday the amount of votes. It was thousands and thousands and thousands of votes. So thank you to all the, the people on Twitter who followed the show, started following the show, voted on the poll question. We uh, really had a lot of fun doing it, even despite some of the the haters and uh, the, the negative Nancys who complained Every step of, I mean, it's amazing the amount of people who complained every step of the way from the movies that were included, the movies that weren't included, the, the, the rankings of the movies, the seedings of the movies, the decisions of the movies, which I didn't even have anything to do with. I didn't get to vote on the movies. You got to vote. The, the crowd, the power of the crowd, that was what decided it. And yet people complaining to me about it. 
And sometimes I complain to you because some of you don't have very good taste. 2-2. High fly ball. Right field. Hayward turns. Looks. See ya. A three-run home run for Brett Gardner. And the Yankees have taken a 3-2 lead. All right, so three years ago, that was at Wrigley Yankees and Cubs at Wrigley Yanks down to their final strike and Brett Gardner coming through with the big home. You know, I don't know if it's inspirational or if it's more depressing to hear baseball highlights given the state of the world. It seems like a good idea at the time when you're looking for things that are inspiring. And usually we would use, you know, if the world was back to normal, we would use highlights from the night before. That was kind of the way to, to kind of get that into the show. But I don't know if it's inspirational or not. I think it might be more sad. But it's good to hear Michael's voice calling a game again. And I'm sure he certainly misses it. But uh, I don't know. Maybe moment of inspiration. We have to, to rethink that whole thing. But, hey, by now you have to know. If you have a small business trying to get the word out that you're still serving the community, let us know. We've had over 350 of them reach out. We are sharing their messages. All you have to do if you're one of those businesses, send us an email. 987ESPN at gmail.com. Let us know your story. We will pass the word along to our listeners again. 987ESPN at gmail.com. Much like Union Hall Hoboken, located at 306 Sinatra Drive on Hoboken's historic waterfront. They are open Wednesday through Sunday from 4 to 8 p.m. Call them 201 683 8900 or visit them at unionhallhoboken.com. Also, in celebration of the Yankee Captain's Hall of Fame career, Derek Jeter, ESPN will re- be replaying a classic Jeter game as part of their MLB Encore Tuesday series. The twist is the game is going to be up to you. So you can vote on this on ESPN.com and the winner will air May 12th at 7 p.m., you have five options. This is not the daily poll question. That one, certainly, go vote right now. Uh, but the five options are the Jeffrey Mayer game from 96 against the Orioles, the Mr. November game from 2001, the dive into the stands against the Red Sox July 1st, 2004, Jeter's 3,000th hit July 9th, 2011, or is it Jeter's Bronx Farewell? September 25th, 2014. You can vote on ESPN.com. All right, so uh, it is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. We have uh, recapped the rewatchable movie bracket. We have one more feature that we will unveil a little bit later on. You can't have a bracket, a March bracket. I know it's May now, but we started in March, and you have to have one thing that is included. And we will do that a little bit later in the show. But our poll question for today, as a way to silence all the uh, Dark Knight Crybaby fans, uh, we we gave you the option today to vote if both were on. Even though the Dark Knight did not get to the final, got ousted by uh, a far superior movie in Die Hard. But if it had, if it had been able to, if it had been a better movie and got the chance to go up against Goodfellas, you can vote on that. Both are on. Which are you watching, Goodfellas or Dark Knight? And uh, I did want to say thank you to uh, all the people who, you know, made the, the movie bracket as fun as it was, even if uh, some of them were, you know, relentless crybabies. But in terms of what we do for next year, we'd like to hear, I'd like to hear from you. 
I'm not saying that I'm going to follow what you say, but at least it will be, uh, you know, it'll be part of the decision-making process. So if you want us to do, you know, the movies again and maybe take Goodfellas out because it is just a, it's obviously, it was a runaway winner in every single round, really never got threatened. And whether or not even The Dark Knight in a hypothetical situation can uh, threaten it, it remains to be seen. But if you want us to do maybe TV shows next year, that's been uh, kicked around. Maybe do the movies again, but in a different way. So we will certainly take that, and I will take that, uh, under advisement. 1-800-919-ESPN is the phone number, 1-800-919-3776. But a couple of things I did want to touch on outside of movies, we have to get back to sports at this point, is that uh, John Starks was on the Michael K. show yesterday. Very interesting, of course, with John Starks being featured and the Knicks featured in the last dance last Sunday. Don't know if they'll be featured again. You would think that they would probably have to be uh, as we move along. And Starks was on with uh, the Michael K. show yesterday, as I said. And among the topics they discussed was Jordan's trip to Atlantic City, right? Knicks take a 2-0 series lead. And, of course, the story about Jordan and his dad going down and gambling in Atlantic City becomes this huge story, everything else. So did that, did, did that story, did it resonate? Did it mean anything to Starks and the Knicks back then? Didn't mean one thing. You know, I always took it as what he does on his off time is his business. It's not my business. It's not no one's business, you know, how he prepare for a game, especially him. We didn't take it as, as nothing as players. We had to focus on what we had to do in order to beat them. Okay. Uh, did he know that Jordan was one of the players in the dunk? That is true. You know, as you, if you watch that, that clip, and when I got to the bench, I was trying to look up and see see the monitor. But, you know, we was focused on trying to close out that game. And so I didn't know who was on the back end of that. And obviously it was Michael on the back end. So I always tell people if that, that happened in Chicago, it would just been another play uh, because it happened in the garden. And, yes, Michael and, and the Bulls made it that much special. Yes, but it was Horace Grant. I mean, look, Nick fans, I've realized that we don't have many – legendary at least recently plays to discuss but it wasn't he did not dunk on michael jordan he dunked on horace grant and it happened to be that michael jordan was trailing on the play i don't understand why people continue to to to, we have video of it it would be one thing right like uh babe ruth's called shot did it happen did it not happen who really knows right it's so long ago there wasn't cameras around that you could it seems like he's pointing, but is he pointing to the dugout? Is he pointing to the spot he's going to hit the ball? Who knows? This we have actual video footage of. We've seen it a billion times. And it was Horace Grant, not uh, not Michael Jordan. Uh, the other thing that he was talked about, uh, was asked about, uh, the thoughts on Charles Oakley blaming Patrick Ewing and Pat Riley for the loss of the Bulls. Well, I look at it like this. We all had a hand in that. You can't say this one particular player lost us the series and you can't say that you know what I mean we all was involved in that game and we all uh as a unit didn't get it done as simple as that and you know for me personally uh, I think that you look at Patrick numbers doing that series very good numbers yeah <laughs> very, very good, good numbers doing that series and so I take blame for losing that series everybody I take blame for losing that series I never did blame Charles for that series I never blame nobody you know you always got to look in the mirror and look at you look at yourself first and so that's how I, that's how I look at it 
All right, and that's a fair take. And at this point, I brought this up, uh, I think it was yesterday, maybe it was the day before. At this point, Charles Oakley is to the the Knicks teams that he played on, much like Goose Gossage is to any time that modern baseball or analytically driven baseball comes a topic. It almost seems like you're required to go – and get a quote from that person, even though you know what the quote is going to be. And it's not really based in reality so much, but it's just something that will gain eyeballs, will gain attention, and you put it in there. At this point, Charles Oakley, it's it's kind of sad that you know he is he's taking this approach where he's going to blame Patrick Ewing, he's going to blame Pat Riley. Look, the Knicks weren't as good as the Bulls. It pains me to say this. They had their opportunities. They could not convert. They weren't as good a team. And I think what the last dance kind of shows you is that while the Knicks were did view themselves as rivals to the Bulls, at that stage, the Bulls looked at everybody as their rival, kind of. You know what I mean? They were a, a step ahead and a step above. And you take a look at the teams matched up. You know, Patrick Ewing was Patrick Ewing. But the rest of the Knicks roster did not really match up to the rest of the Bulls roster. And as great as Patrick Ewing was, he was not Michael Jordan. And the, the Knicks did not have any player nearly as good as Scottie Pippen. So, it, 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 you know, for Charles Oakley to blame this one and blame that one and Pat Riley and Patrick Ewing, it just comes off as uh, sour grapes and not really almost kind of separating yourself from the situation. But it seems like now anytime that that Nick team, that Nick era is written about, somebody will go to Charles Oakley and get a quote from him. And, you know, you know what you're going to get. Much like Goose Gossage, you know what you're going to get when you talk to him about uh, modern baseball. And, of course, the uh, daily poll question up for today. We have uh, crowned our champion in the rewatchable movie bracket. It is, with really no surprise, uh, it is Goodfellas who uh, takes the crown. But uh, today we gave you a little bit of a hypothetical to kind of bring it, you know, when when the bullets are flying and people are, are bickering back and forth, it's in the heat of battle. But now that the battle is done, it's about bringing the family back together, the Gordon Damer Show family, which has been kind of broken apart a little bit because of the um, the whininess of the Dark Knight fans. But we love them. But we have to bring everybody back under the same umbrella now. So to, as a way to appease... The, the crybabies that are the Dark Knight fans, I gave you a hypothetical just to prove to the, all the people who are complaining about, well, you know, you, you screwed the movie, you know, you, the movie had a chance and, and you had to redo the poll question and all, because of the mistakes I made. In fairness, I made those mistakes. But to show you that the Dark Knight, even if it had advanced, the results, much like the Bulls against the Knicks, the results would still be the same. Much like if Charles Smith had been given the foul call and went to the foul line, you know he wasn't going to hit both of those free throws anyway. So it's all for naught. But we put it up on uh, Twitter, at Gordon Dammer. Both are on. Which are you watching? Even though it's a hypothetical, it does not impact who won the tournament. Goodfellas, Dark Knight, and you can vote on that. It's up on Twitter, at Gordon Dammer. A couple other things I did want to touch on before we uh, go back to the phones. This story that keeps going around about, well, you know, if the NBA returns, Kevin Durant might be making his return. That's the $110 million question. Well, if he wants to return, and that's really what it's all about, is does he want to return this year? Then he'll return this year. But, of course, the bigger question is, is the NBA going to return this year? I, I don't think it's going to. So it's kind of a moot point. It's a cow's opinion. doesn't matter. 
Kevin Durant, if he when you sign Kevin Durant, you are kind of, and I think you've already kind of seen this, you are turning over your organization to someone with that kind of star power. You are turning over your organization to that person. And he's going to make the sole decision of whether or not he returns or not. But it doesn't really matter because, again, the NBA, I think I'm fairly confident in this, and maybe you feel differently. I, I, it's just hard to envision a scenario where it actually returns this season. Now, I never touched on this, and I, I did want to bring it up. The one thing that The Last Dance has really kind of shown you, and I, I'm guessing you're going to get more of it this weekend because they'll cover the first retirement and how exhausting it had to be to be Michael Jordan. And that was one of the first takeaways I had. I think it was the first episode. They were playing that exhibition game in France and just all the responsibilities, all the things that he had to do before the game, after the game. You had, like, as soon as the game ended, some player on the other team is taking the armband off Jordan's arm. I mean, it must have just been a constant grind. And I guess at the time... I never really took that into account, how fame has to be just exhausting, and that's why I've avoided those pitfalls. Uh, but few famous people are ever as famous as Michael Jordan. So it's crazy to me that even at this point, there would still be people who think that Jordan, because of his gambling, was banned by the league or anything like that. But David Aldridge on The Athletic, I think, summarized it perfectly. And this, you either believe one of two things. If you think that Jordan retired because he was exhausted and needed a break, okay, fine. But if you don't believe that, you believe that he was somehow suspended by the league, You, this is what you believe. And this is what he wrote. So what is more likely? Jordan retired because he was, after a decade in the public eye and a decade of banging heads against Bird and Isaiah and Magic in, pur- in pursuit of a championship and receiving real scrutiny for the first time in his public life, dog-tired. Or you believe that the NBA embarked on a secretive suspension of its most popular player at the height of his skills and popularity, a suspension that would require the silence of several dozen people at minimum, and yet somehow managed to keep that secret for more than two decades in an era when anyone and everyone will sell you out for a click or two on a YouTube channel in five seconds. Yeah, I mean, it makes perfect sense, of course. It's it's obvious that that he retired. <laughs> it's not that it, it, it sometimes it's not cloak and dagger. And after all this time, if there was some conspiracy behind the scenes, someone somewhere would have come out and publicly said so. I think that, that much is, is clear. I can understand why in the time maybe you would have su- got sucked into it. But I think at this point, cooler heads and, and smarter heads have to be able to look at the, the facts and, and realize they are facts. All right, 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Our buddy Omar is in Brooklyn. Omar, my man, what's going on? How are you? Good morning. What's up? Just want to say, I haven't seen Goodfellas, but I have seen what? Godfather, Die Hard, and the Goodfellas not seeing was the reason that back in our country, the movies used to come after two, three years. And, like, we were big on Oscar, and whenever the newspapers used to come in, and, oh, this movie uh, wins the Oscar, so mm-hmm. Dancing with the Wolves from the Oscar. And all of our buddies, we have to rent a VCR at that time to get the movies, right? So we rent a VCR, and everybody goes, oh, oh, oh Dancing with the Wolves, Oscar movie, Oscar movie. We got to get that. We can only rent, because we are college students, we have to rent the movie, rent the VCR. So the budget was not that high. So mm-hmm. we rent Dancing with the Wolves, and we all stared down. And after half an hour, 
like everybody was hitting each other. Basically. Yeah, it was, a, it was a little <laughs> slow. Yeah, it was not. It was not exactly. Imagine 19 years old watching dancing with the wolves. Oh my God, that was yeah. one of the pathetic decisions we ever made on this dancing with the wolves. Die Hard was a great movie. Now I want to put my point. You, I can say now, after those my glorious years. And to my Knicks fan, being a Knicks fan, people can say whatever. My biggest moment be because I didn't have seen the championship. My favorite player is John Stark ever. The best, the biggest play ever. That to me are the two plays that makes me click. That is Alan Houston uh, game seven bucket, and the biggest of them all is John Stark. Dunk over Scotty Pippen, Michael Jordan, and Horace Grant. And <laughs> wait a second. Oh Scotty Pippen God. wasn't even in. Wait a second, Omar. <laughs> you can't revise. Look, Omar's just revising history here. And Scotty Pippen wasn't even part of the mix. Oh, the biggest dunk. He, uh, get, no, all right. Omar, thank you for the call. I understand. He's crazy. It's amazing. Dances with Wolves, even in other languages, even in other countries, brings everybody together And how boring a movie Dances with the Wolves is. It's, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a universal it's a universal in life. Uh, no, Scottie Pippen was not part of it. And, and, and while Michael Jordan was at least, you could at least sell a poster with Michael Jordan on the poster. Everybody, let's, can we all be honest? Can we all just be honest as Nick fans? John Starks did not dunk on Michael Jordan. He dunked on Horace Grant. A, a fine accomplishment. There's nothing to be ashamed of. But let's not. I mean, that, that tells you, even after all these years, that people are still clinging to this idea that he dunked on Michael Jordan. It's, it's an inferiority complex. Inferiority complex. Um, all right. So we're, our show is almost done for today. But we unveiled the rewatchable movie bracket. And the rewatchable movie bracket was, I know it's, it's past it now, was tied to the month of March, where you have the NCAA tournament and that bracket. But you can't talk about the NCAA tournament and their bracket. It's never over until a, a champion is crowned, which we have done with Goodfellas. And you have, of course, the one thing that wraps it all up. What is it? One shining moment. So as a look back to the amazing fun that we had with the rewatchable movie bracket, we now unveil our one shining moment. I'm going to make him an awfully gamble for you. You're going to need a bigger potion. So you're telling me there's a chance. Did you say Utes? Yeah, two Utes. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Ball is I'm the dude, so that's what you call me. Just a bit outside. And you will know my name is the Lord when I lay my 
vengeance upon thee. Well, we're waiting. You want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. When I came home, there was a man in my house. I fought with this man. Get busy living or get busy dying. Who was Kaiser Soze? Except that the puppy was a dog. Say what to me. Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? Go home and get your shine bottles. What do you mean funny? Funny how? How am I funny? This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.